Welcome to Locally Grown, a podcast about business, strategy, mindset, and everything in between to get you to your biggest triumphs and get you through your biggest challenges. If you're a brick and mortar business owner who is looking to scale to six, seven, or even eight figures, then this is the show for you. Each week, you'll discover tips to take your business from struggling to profitable, all from my own real-life experiences being an entrepreneur, coach, and business consultant. This is the podcast for helping you build a business today so you can also build a legacy for the next generation. I'm your host, Teresa Cantley. When I was growing up as a little girl, my parents, we lived in a remote area um, in a town called Bath. Yes, Bath, as in the bathtub. Um, (laughs) And it was outside of a town called Nazareth in Pennsylvania, and and also outside of a town called Northampton in Pennsylvania. And it was in a a very rural area. It was, you know, there were a lot of cornfields around. There was a lot of farms around. And my parents actually, um, when I was growing up, my parents had a huge garden, huge garden, where they grew pretty much all of the vegetables that we ever ate. Um, I did not know that you could buy frozen vegetables um, in a grocery store until I got married the first time when I was 20 or 21. Um, But my parents grew their own uh, vegetables in this garden. My mom shopped at the local butcher and got our meat there, um, our chicken, our milk. Uh, We actually, we would go and get those glass bottles of milk. Um, And my mom also used to shop at, there was a little corner store that she used to go to, actually a couple of different ones. And they believed in supporting local businesses. So as we got older, my parents decided they wanted to move. The house was a little small where we lived, and my parents also wanted to move to a different school district. So my parents, again, moved to another area called Orfield, which is outside of Allentown in Pennsylvania. And again, at the time when I was younger, it was very rural. We lived in between a cow farm, a horse farm, and there was a chicken farm not far from there. Literally, the streets would be lined in cornfields, lined in cornfields. And where I went to high school out in that direction, there was even more farms and more um, cornfields and more just fields of of wildflowers and just, I mean, it was gorgeous out there. Absolutely gorgeous. But in the summertime, of course, it smelled like manure. But, and again, when my parents moved, it was the same thing. We, my mom shopped from local people. We went to Whirly's, which was our local store that my dad used to buy lunch meat and different groceries at. My parents had another garden that they, that they started And my mom would go into Kutztown and Lancaster and she would shop from the Mennonites and the Amish and get things that they would, they would go to the, um, 
to the farmer's market and she would get our meats and our sausage and our chickens and, you know, whatnot. So my parents always did that. Number one, my mom was always, they were always on a tight budget. So growing their own stuff was actually number one, it was better for us. Number two, it was also more economically, um, what's the word I want to use? Budget friendly. Um, and they could then, they would grow their vegetables. And in the summertime, we would sit there with baskets and baskets and baskets of green beans and peas and, um, you know, cauliflower and broccoli. And we'd have to, you know, shell the peas and trim the green beans. And then we would put them in a bag and then my parents would freeze them. They did it with corn. My mom canned her own tomatoes and really, um, my parents, like I said, they were on a tight budget. So my parents found a way to work around it. They found a way to continue to, I mean, we didn't go out to eat because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the budget. If we did go out, it was very infrequent. Um, as well as my mom always wanted to make sure that we ate well when she was growing up, her parents had a huge garden. They grew a lot of their own stuff and it was the same thing. My grandmother canned vegetables and, you know, they shopped at the local stores. They had a local store down the street that they would get stuff from. Obviously you'd go to the grocery store for your paper goods, but the thing that my parents really, and my, my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and everybody really supported was that local community, the local community of farmers and store owners and even shop owners that they would buy furniture from or appliances from or, you know, um, clothing from. I mean, we rare, we had a mall, we had a couple malls, but we very, very rarely went to the mall. My mom would always buy things from local people. And it was always important because I saw the importance of keeping local businesses alive. There is a town by where I lived called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem had the Bethlehem Steel. If you're familiar with the Bethlehem Steel, it was this huge, huge, huge business. And the Bethlehem Steel ended up closing down after years and years and years of being in business and supplying the world with steel, um, as well as employing, you know, tens of thousands of people. They finally, the steel decided to shut down for a variety of reasons. And the town of Bethlehem that was once known for the steel um, you know, was, was kind of like it put this damper on things. But what ended up happening was, or what I saw growing up, was this local community that came together. The local community of store owners in historic Bethlehem, in South Bethlehem, um, that came together to continue to make sure that this community rose up instead of whittled away and withered away because the Bethlehem Steel closed. And it went back to even, like I said, my upbringing in my parents always supporting local businesses. In that area, there is a very, very large population of people who have come over from Europe, particularly Ireland, England, um, Scotland, um, a lot of people who've, who have come over from the Ukraine, from Ukraine, um, and, you know, and just settled in that area, which I believe is why there is a very large concentration of local businesses. And as I said, with Bethlehem in particular, when the 
steel shut down, there was this, oh my gosh, all of that income and that revenue and whatever was going away. And, you know, what was going to happen when the steel shut? And the truth be told, and this is just my observation and my perspective, but I feel like the town, instead of it being this, because it was a, it was a steel, steel industry, big, huge steel factories and these big, huge pipes. And when you see it on the skyline, it's like, I mean, it's, it's just huge, this huge monstrosity. Um, it was building after building after building. I mean, some of them have gotten torn down or have fallen down, but there's a very large, um, where the steel mill actually was, where the furnaces were that have been restored and are still standing and you can actually go and tour them. And as I said, the local community came together supporting each other and continued to thrive. There were more businesses that opened up. The town itself, the Christmas city, um, you know, kind of came around that um, and, and really worked to make sure that that particular area kept thriving. And it actually was a local nonprofit, local organization, a nonprofit, ArtsQuest, that um, start that actually took the Bethlehem Steel portions of it and and work to I mean they have their offices there now um, to work to restore it and to also bring the steel to life again but in a different way. To um, ArtsQuest is all about art, so music, the arts, um, a film. Um, they have a restaurant there and. Also, there's a museum for the steel workers. So there's a lot that happened because of the local community. So people ask me, why, Teresa, why are you changing the name of your podcast? Hey there. I know there is so much going on in the world, and it's so easy to get caught up thinking you just need to get through this time and you just need to survive. There's rising costs and inflation, delays in getting products, struggles hiring and retaining good people, trying to get that edge that allows sales to rise and customer loyalty to increase, figuring out how to stand out online in a sea of competition when you haven't even gotten your website completely done but I'm here to tell you there's a better way to approach these things. There's a better way to approach this time that we're going through, a way that will lead to higher profits, more money in your pocket, and more time to do the things you love to do. And that's where I come in. I come in to help you fix what's broken, plug the holes so you can insulate your business from any impacts that might come your way. Over the past decade, I've helped many product-based business owners to turn their business around and increase their income and their profits 20%, 30%, and even up to 80%. Yes, I said that correctly and you heard that correctly. So what did they do? They stopped spending money on random marketing and software that doesn't work. They hired a high-impact, high-growth team to help them move the business forward so they didn't have to do everything themselves They implemented processes to streamline work so they could do more with less. 
and they increase profitability by really and truly understanding their numbers. And most importantly, they started thinking like a CEO and not just a small business owner. And you can do this too. You really can. And I want to help you. You and me working one-to-one to get the results you've been working towards for years. Imagine going from six figures to seven figures to eight figures, even to nine figures. It's totally, totally possible. So apply to work with me in my exclusive Business Masters one-to-one program and let's do this. Spaces are limited. Unfortunately, there's only one me, but the results that you get are truly extraordinary. So you gonna do it? Are you in? I look forward to seeing you on our next call. So people ask me, why, Teresa, why are you changing the name of your podcast? And why are you so passionate? Like, what is your passion about local businesses? Because in the past, some business mentors that have said to me, local business is dying. Why do you want to look, work with local businesses? They're narrow-minded, like, and local business is, is it's, it's a dying breed. And my answer to them was always, no, it's not. I've seen what local business, the impact that local businesses can make. I've seen the, you know, what happens to a community when local businesses close. I've seen many communities where I had my own physical store where many other businesses closed and it, and service businesses came in and it wasn't the same. And then they had to go back and, and have a resurgence in that particular area to, bring that community back up. I've seen communities where local businesses went out, big box stores came in, and again, the community suffered. The town suffered. The city suffered. And then they had to do a resurgence. It's where Main Street Street, um, organizations came from, Main Street managers, to bring back those Main Streets, to rebuild them, because that is what the core of the community is. That is what the heart of a town, an area, a village, a a community, and what is at the core of our economy are these local business owners. And local business owners, yeah, they are a different type of business owner in my mind. Local business owners have a vision. They have a dream. And they are willing to work their butts off to make that dream happen. And there are local businesses, business owners that aren't, but there are very, very many of them that are willing to do it. And to the point where it's actually detrimental to them. I've seen local business owners who think many that come out of corporate America, because when you're in corporate America, you kind of have like this, there is this safety net, you know, and I've seen this happen too, where you have people in corporate America that are kind of just skating through. Um, and not really putting forth their best effort. And they can do it because there's so many different layers in corporate that it's not like it's going to be super, super visible. So I've seen many business owners that come out of corporate America and then open up their own business and work their buns off to the point where they start to burn out. And they start to say to themselves, 
why, like, why did I ever do this? I was building a business, but instead I built myself a prison or I built myself, this is a job. I quit my job and I built myself a job. And they try and do everything themselves. They try and, you know, they work like 12, 16 hour days. And I've seen people wear that as a badge of honor. Well, on the flip side of it, they're tired, they're overwhelmed, they're cranky. And then what do they end up doing? They drive people away. But what's at the core of it is, have this dream and this vision to build something, to build something different, to build something beyond what they were used to in the traditional business sense. So why am I passionate about local business? Well, number one, it's part of my upbringing. It's part of what my parents believed. It's part of what was in my family with, I had many ancestors who, um, many relatives who had local businesses but I've also seen the power of what local businesses can do to a community, how they can lift it up and rise it up no matter what was going on. My grandmother used to tell me stories. She was alive during the Great Depression. And um, she used to tell me stories about what it was like going through the Great Depression and what they used to do. I mean, she was um, she was freshly married to my grandfather And she used to tell us stories about going down to the local store to get potatoes or growing their own potatoes and then taking them down to the local store or, you know, going and supporting, um, you know, people who, who had stores, um, with whatever they could, you know, whether, again, whether it was, you know, giving them vegetables or going and buying potatoes or my grandfather at the time, um, drove a truck for, I think it was, Sunbeam or um, it was a cracker, getting that wrong, but like a cracker company, uh, Sunshine Biscuits, that's what it was. So, you know, what they did even during that time to keep, and they had no money, they had no money, but doing whatever they possibly could to help those local businesses keep moving forward. And again, I saw the power of that. I saw the power of, I mean, I wasn't alive in the Great Depression. If I was, wow, I look really great for my age. But I saw the power as I was growing up because of what I was exposed to. And then getting older and going, living in small communities and also opening my business in a small community and seeing how those businesses could thrive and seeing also when they got out of their own way, what they could do and the impact that they could make when they came together. So I am passionate about helping local businesses because I believe that local businesses aren't going anywhere. In fact, I believe that now is the time for local business owners to change their perspective, to shift how they're doing things or how they've always done things and do things differently because they're not just building their business for today. And if you are somebody that's listening to this and you're building the business just for today, based on what's happening right now, uh, you you better tune in and, and listen up. Local business owners have the chance to not only just build a business for today, but to actually build a legacy for tomorrow, to build for the next generation. Because big conglomerate businesses like they, they do close their doors, they shift, they change, they lay off people. But local businesses, if we can tap into, if they can tap into what's really, really important for their customer and meet 
their customers' biggest needs and desires with what their biggest strengths are. They can thrive no matter what. And that is the biggest thing that I, that I teach when I work with people now is how to build that sustainability into their business, how to build that wealth and that impact into their business and how actually being small and being a local business, you have a big superpower that traditional businesses don't have, but you need to figure that out. You need to find that so that you can use it to continue to grow, not just for today, but for future generations. So why change my podcast name? Well, when I first started my podcast, it was called Your Next Best Step because I wanted to teach people what the next best step would be to take in whatever circumstance was happening. And for years, I've had people say to me, well, I mean, it's like a 50-50 split. Some people were like, oh, I love the name. Other people were like, it doesn't make sense to me. And then I would have to explain it, which is fine because it's a great conversation topic, right? So, but eventually, as I, after COVID, going through what we've been going through this year, you know, and also having a local business myself, an actual brick and mortar, and then having to close it and seeing the shifts and changes and things that people that were happening, but also the grand mistakes that people were making, watching people close their doors after only being open for maybe two years because they didn't know exactly what to do to go to the next level, but they also didn't ask for help. So I wanted, as when someone approached me, it was actually my podcast editor, um, most recently and said, what do you think about changing the name of your podcast? And I thought to myself, you know, I've been asked this question before multiple times, but it was the first time I thought to myself, let's change it. Sure. Let's change it. So we decided what would make the most sense and what would connect to what this podcast is really about. It's about helping brick and mortar business owners to get to their biggest triumphs, but to also help them get through their biggest challenges with grace and grit and gratitude using tips and strategies that I've experienced in my own life, working for entrepreneurs my entire career, over two decades, but also helping and consulting and coaching entrepreneurs, local business owners over the past 10 years. My real life experiences and also the experience that I've, experiences that I've been through with my clients, bringing that all together into a place, into a podcast where people can listen and take the right actions, align their vision with whatever actions they're doing on a regular basis, helping them to hire better people, helping them to build their team and know who they need on their team. So we thought to ourselves, and it was actually um, my two um, assistants, my two project managers and integrators that came up with the name after doing some wordsmithing, um, Claudio and Paige, um, as well as my podcast editor, Eugenia, um, coming up with some names as far as what we could call the podcast. And I do think it was Claudio that actually um, came up with the name of Locally Grown. So that is where Locally Grown came from. And what Locally Grown means is, again, local businesses come from local people, right? Local businesses are, again, the heart of a community. 
But the other side of this is I'm locally grown. I grew up in a, like I said, a rural, rural area. My parents, my grandparents, my family members back then and today still shop from local business owners. It is the core of where they go to buy things. It is, and they do that because they like how they're treated, because they feel like it is when they walk in, people know who they are. They know that they're going to get great quality. They know that they're not going to, you know, in many, many cases, they're not going to be gouged by, by big supermarket prices. They know that they're getting fresh, wholesome, really good stuff, whether it's food, whether it's, um, whether they go to a restaurant or they go to, um, a, a local market or they shop, my mom shops from the Amish and the Mennonites still, or if they're going to buy fabric or buy clothing or buy jewelry or buy, you know, whatever it is, they know that the experience that they're going to get is going to be unmatched by any other. So locally grown, I'm locally grown. I'm locally grown by where I grew up. I'm locally grown by how I grew up, but I'm also locally grown by what I believe in. And I believe that local businesses can thrive. I believe that they can go to the next generation and shift their perspective on what it really means to be a local business owner. And that is why we decided to change the name of the podcast. So I hope if this is your first time listening, I hope you go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. We have a plethora of them. Um, some of my favorites include the one where I interviewed my business partner and my best friend back in 2019. Um, that's episode 80. Um, for episode 151, I interviewed my husband. Episode 50, I interviewed my mentor and my best and my best friend, my mentor and one of my very dear friends, Mel Abraham. And there's just so many more. I interviewed my friend, Denise Solar Cox. Um, and in a more recent episode, all about belonging. And there's just so many great, great episodes. So definitely go back. If you're new here, I hope you go back and listen to some of them. But if you're not new, welcome back. And thank you for sticking with me through this journey. We have so many more great episodes coming. I have a great interview coming in the middle of September with um, a gentleman who I worked with to, try to help me to tell my story, um, which was episode 165, the one before this. Um, so stay tuned and listen to that episode from Jude Charles because he made a huge impact in my life. And we have so many more great, great things coming your way. So stay tuned. But until then, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you, we all take care of each other a little bit more, a lot bit more than we already do. And I hope that you shop local, you support local. And if you're a local business owner, I hope you listen and get some really, really, really great tips so that you can build your business and scale your business, not just for today, but for the future generation so that you can ultimately create the legacy that you've always wanted to create. So until next week, I will see you soon. Take care. Hey there, it's Teresa, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you join me every week to listen to this podcast. This podcast has been a dream of mine, and when we hit episode 100, I was super, super, super excited, and I know now we are on our way to 
episode 200. If you like what you hear, and I know you do because you're here, I would love, love, love if you could head on over and leave us a review either on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on whatever it is that you're listening to, um, listening to this podcast. I would absolutely love it. When we get reviews, when we get, you know, five stars, it, it enables us to show up higher in the different categories so that more people can find us and we can make a difference in more small business owners' lives. So I would love, love, love if you could go on and leave me a review. And also tell me what you love, tell me what you what you wanna hear more of and how I can help you because that's what I'm here for. I am here to give you real life experiences, real life coaching, real life stories from my work, my experience helping small business owners to build their business, but also helping to, or me actually building and growing several of my own businesses. So if you love what you hear, please go over and leave a review. It would be absolutely amazing. It would mean so much to me. But until next week, take care and I will see you soon.